Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Satan has blinded the eyes so that people can't see the only way to get forgiveness and to go to heaven. He's blinded their eyes. Now, why would he do that? Because he doesn't want to lose anybody in his kingdom. So what are we to do? That's why Paul was there. He's going to explain what? Open your eyes. Remember what I said to you? The word explaining? Open our mind to understand. The Bible teaches that those blinded eyes can be open to the light of the gospel. All around you, everywhere, are people who don't know anything about Jesus. They may have been to church their whole lives, but if they haven't been open to hearing the true gospel, they don't know about Jesus. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the fact that every single person on earth starts out knowing nothing about God. Those who have become Christ followers have done so because the Holy Spirit has opened their blinded eyes. Pastor Mark will be reminding you that you have been put here and had your eyes open so that you can tell others about Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. As he continues his message, what do we do when God changes our plans? Here's what I've learned. I want you to write this down. You need to put this by your devotional book because this is going to be a lifestyle that you and I continually have to do. As you know, I've been a Christian 70 years. I still have to live by this. Here's the principle. The life of a Christ follower requires ongoing sensitivity. Now you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, we know in the Bible that when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, He's there to lead us, to guide us. Well, how am I going to hear him? Well, the number way you hear God is through the written word of God. When you open it, that's God's mind. So you can't say, well, this is my plan, God, and it's against the Bible. Well, you don't even ask God. It's wrong. You don't go there. But there's other times that we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. And just like I did with the eye doctor, I wasn't sure. And so I waited for there was an assurance in my heart. Sensitivity means where do you learn to hear God say? The second thing is you'll hear God speak to your spirit. Well, you can't learn that unless you experience it. And where do you experience it? In your quiet time. Because God will speak to you. And you'll understand that voice. By the way, there's a lot of other voices out there. The worst one is my own. But Satan has a voice. He's always speaking into us, condemnation and whatever. So you need that. Next, ongoing obedience. It's no good to hear from God. No there, but yes there. Well, I'm not going there. 
That's not going to work. Do you know what you're called this morning? A Christ follower. (laughs) Exactly. How do you follow someone? Obey them. That's the way it works. Number three, ongoing flexibility. Wait to see. We've only seen two changes for Paul. (laughs) Wait, Wait till he gets to the end of the story. You can't believe how many changes God made in his life. This is the excitement of trusting God and moving along with him. Now, look at verse 9. Watch what God does. Here comes the open door to two closed doors. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, Europe, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. During the night, God honored Paul's obedience and gave him a supernatural vision, which was an open door. Now, God redirects Paul to Europe. And of course, he's going to go. The whole reason for the missionary tour is to plant churches and share the gospel. Europe was filled with big metropolitan cities And pretty soon when Paul gets there to Philippi and Thessalonica, he'll understand why God changed his plan. Understand this. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. Trust and obey God when he changes our plans because blessings will follow. Be flexible. Be sensitive. If you don't know, just like I did with the eye doctor, what did I say? God, I'm unsure what to do. I need you to confirm it for me one way or the other. What should I do? Don't be afraid to ask God that. I'm sure Paul was thinking, where are we going now? What? And so God gives him a supernatural dream. Now, verse 10. Paul had seen the vision. We got ready at once, after Paul had seen it. So they're not going to sit over there and go, really? Really? No, at once to leave for Macedonia concluding, now this is a whole group, concluding, and you notice the word there in verse 10, we got ready. This is when Luke, the writer of Acts, joins them. So now we have a team of four. We got ready to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to those people. That's why they were going there. Now, here's what the scripture says. Maybe you've never seen this verse, but you need to write it down because this is the way we live our Christian life. Look at this, Proverbs 16, 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That's a difference between a believer and an unbeliever. See, the world never has God or the Bible in their formula. It's not even on the radar. They just make their plans, do whatever they want. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't need to make any plans. I just sit around and wait for God to tell me something to do. No, that's not biblical either. Remember, Paul's doing a journey. He knows what he's called to do. You'll see later what you and I are called to do. We should make plans. That's a good thing. But when God changes them, he's God, we're people. We just allow him to do that. Now scoot down to verse 11. From Joaz, we put out to sea and sailed straight, as you saw that body of water, for Samothrace, and the next day unto Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a district of Macedonia, 
and we stayed there several days. So let me put the map up again and look what you see. Remember, they started in Antioch, Lystra, Derby, and what they did there is they had both churches there, encouraged them. They wanted to go up to the north up in there. God said no, so they went over to Troas. That's where the vision came, and now they take a boat and look at Philippi. They go right up to Philippi, and then in a moment, you'll see they go down to Thessalonica. So they're there in uncharted waters, never been to the cities there, don't really know what God's going to do. They just go there because God said to. Now, let me give you a little summary uh, because I'm not going to take time to read all the verses. Here's what happened when they get to Philippi. That team gets to Philippi, and uh, of course, it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of a Roman city operated by the Romans, and they're pagans. They get there, and there's no synagogue. To have a Jewish synagogue, uh, you had to have about 12 Men. Well, there isn't it. So they find out that there's some ladies meeting down by the water, close as they could get to God. Water, natural. So they go there, and pretty soon they help to get a church kind of started there. They go and stay in the home of Lydia, and God begins to do things. Well, they go into town, and they're just sharing the gospel, and they see this young girl. And this young girl is actually have a spirit of divination. She's making predictions to people, and they're paying her owners all kinds of money. And Paul realizes as he's there, she's demon-possessed. So he comes and casts out the demon. She was a prisoner, spiritually and physically. And immediately, she couldn't do what she used to do, and she's totally free. Now, let me ask you a question. She's totally free. Was that trip just to that town, if that's all that happened, was that worth it? If it's your son, if it's your daughter, if it's your mom, a dad, a relative, a friend, is it worth it? Of course it's worth it. She's free. Now, the owners got livid. There's no way to make money now. So they go to the leaders of the town and go, hey, these guys, some stupid religion they're talking about, some named Jesus, and they've ruined our business. This girl is gone. She's doing her own thing for the first time probably in years. So the leaders come and they put Paul and Silas in the jail. But before they do, they beat them unbelievably, put their feet in stocks. Now, while they're in there, if you're Paul and Silas, what do you think they're talking about while they're hurting? Really? This is your best plan, God? You say, well, I would never say that. (laughs) Yes, we would. But what happens in the jail? At midnight, they're singing, How great is our God. Praise the Lord our God. And the other prisoners are going, What's with those guys? They're beat, their backs are bleeding, and they're singing some kind of crazy songs. Well, You make the best of where God has you. That's a little challenge to me. Is it a challenge to anybody out there? You've been beaten, put your thing in stock, you did everything right, and now they beat the tire out of you? That's a challenge to sing, but they are. Here comes midnight. God heard them singing. An earthquake comes, shakes the jail. Every prisoner's chains come off. Of course, there's a Roman guard in a house with his family who's a over all of this to be keep them in jail. And the prison doors open up. He hears the earthquake, gets up, he sees the prison door, and he's going, oh my God. 
because he would have been killed by the Roman authorities because all the people got out of jail. So he goes over and nobody has left the jail. Now let me ask you, how much of a miracle is that? Now I can see Paul and Silas saying, if you're one of the prisoners and you've been there for a few weeks and your chains drop off, you're going, oh, that's good. And the door opens. Are you debating? <laughs> On your set, Mark, here we go. Don't laugh at me. You and I, be there. we'd be jammed up at the door trying to get out. Am I right? But what did God do? He kept them there. So the guard comes out and he goes, can you tell me? Something supernatural. First, the earthquake. Second, the prisoners are still here. Can you tell me about your God? Can you tell me how to get saved? Paul and Silas takes him, leads he, his wife, and the whole family to salvation. They go in, take care of his back, all that kind of stuff, and they leave the town. You know what Paul did? The authorities came the next day and they went, get the guy out of town. And Paul said, no, I'm not going out of town. I'm a Roman citizen. You failed to ask me. And they could never be a Roman citizen. So they had to come and beg for him to leave. And when they did, he left. And guess where he went to? Thessalonica. Was that stop worth it? Yeah, because see, when they're there in Philippi, now they have a church started. A church started to worship God. So here they go, and they're going to go from Philippi to Thessalonica. 100 miles. They just call Uber and drive right over. No, they're going to what? Walk 100 miles. Now think of the changes that have happened. God's in charge of every single one of those changes. Now, look at Acts 17, if you will. Acts 17, verse 1. And when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia... They came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. So when they traveled, walked 100 miles to get to that city, they discovered it was one of the most influential cities in all of Europe. Now, here's what's interesting. As I said, we're in the area of about 50 AD. The city at that time was 200,000 people. That's amazing. 200,000 people thousands of years ago. And as they're passing through that town and getting to there, they knew God had sent them there for a purpose. That city was situated on a highway that linked Rome with the whole region to the north of the Aegean Sea. Paul now knew why God had them in Europe. Because after that church would be firmly established there, as it was in Philippi, the gospel could spread out all over Europe. Now, for many of you, your history and relatives is from Europe. Think of that. Because Paul obeyed. All of that happened. Now, look at verse 2. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue... And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them. Think about that. From what? 
the scriptures. Did he come and say, I have Time Magazine. Let me just tell you a little bit about what's happening in the world. No, he's using the scriptures, the Bible. And then he says this, verse 3, explaining, which I'll share with you in a moment, and proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. Now, that might sound strange to you, but let me tell you, when he gets here to this city, there's a Jewish synagogue. The Jews, there was a lot of Jews in that area. Thessalonica had a big population of them. But there were also pagan Gentiles, Romans. And many of them had converted to Judaism. Why? Because they were raised, the Romans, pagans, they worshipped lots of dead gods. They never had any life in them. Of course, they're going to worship Caesar. Many, many, many dead gods. You'll hear about later when I talk to you about in Athens. They just had thousands of gods they worshipped. But what did the Jews have? One God. The one true living God. So they transferred into the Jewish faith. So here's Paul. He's going to teach them. And here's what both of those groups, the pagans who are Gentiles and come to become Jews, and the Jews, neither group, know anything about Jesus. Now, the Jews knew from history there was supposed to be a Messiah, but they didn't believe the Messiah came at all. So here's Paul, who was exactly like those Jews, didn't believe it until God came down and said, "Uh, hey boy, who's talking to me? The one you were persecuting. Who are you? Jesus. Whoop, boom. He got it. So he's going to be there. What do you think he's going to teach? What name do you think he'll use? Do you think he'll use Paul? No, he's going to use the word what? Say it with me. Come on, say it with me. Jesus. What word do you and I need to hear? Come on. Jesus. Because he's the only answer to the whole world's problems. There's no religion that can answer that. His name is Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No man comes to the Father but by Jesus. That's the powerful name. You will hear that on CNN all the time. (laughs) Never. Never. Now, notice what he said. I'm explaining, proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming is this Christ. So they needed to know why. For sure, the Jews... And the pagans went, well, why did he have to suffer? Why did the Messiah have to suffer? Why did he die? Why was he raised from the dead? Proving, well, that was the whole proof from the Old Testament. That would be the Messiah. So he began using the scriptures to show the truth to the people that believing in the risen Jesus was absolutely reasonable. Notice the words. Explaining, reasoning, proving. Now, here's the interesting word. The word explaining in the original language means this. To open the mind to cause to understand. Now, where would Paul learn to use that word? Well, in the Old Testament, we see an opening of our mind. Can I just say this? Opening of our mind, opening of our spiritual eyes to see truth. Here's the verses. This is in the Old Testament. This was a prayer that the Jews used 
when they were studying their Old Testament in those days. Look what it says. God opened my eyes, my spiritual eyes, to see the wonderful truths in your instructions, which is the Bible. By the way, sometimes when you look at the Bible, we look at the Bible, we don't really understand what it means. That's why you have pastors. I don't understand everything, but I try to explain to you what the scriptures are saying with an application. See, if you just give information, you just walk out of here, it's useless. We're talking about information that transforms our life to be more like Jesus. That's why I use the illustrations. So they would pray this in the Old Testament. God, I don't understand. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Then Jesus did something amazing. Remember, Paul spent time with Jesus after he was converted, alone in the deserts of Arabia. And Jesus gave him a fast course in Christianity about Jesus and all the things that he needed to know. And notice what it says. Then, Jesus speaking, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That is exactly why we teach the Bible. That's why Bible-believing churches, evangelicals, teach the word of God. Why? Because people are blinded and cannot see the truth. Now, let me remind you. We have two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Every unbeliever, all of us were, before you converted and became a believer. We were in the kingdom of Satan. And the scripture says, Satan has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever, so they cannot see the gospel. In other words, I can mention the word gospel, but it meant nothing to me. It meant nothing to Paul. But Satan has blinded the eyes so that people can't see the only way to get forgiveness and to go to heaven. He's blinded their eyes. Now, why would he do that? Because he doesn't want to lose anybody in his kingdom. So what are we to do? That's why Paul was there. He's going to explain what? Open your eyes. Remember what I said to you? The word explaining? Open our mind to understand. The Bible teaches that those blinded eyes can be open to the light of the gospel. When Paul would go and talk to, oh, kings, leaders, he would give his testimony. Look what Paul says here. He got this plan from God for his life. And he would say to the individual, I'm here to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to what? To light. And from the power of Satan to who? The power of God. Now that's transformation. Then they will receive what? Forgiveness of their sins and given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. That was Paul's plan. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark reminded you that it's important to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He also taught how you can develop this spiritual sensitivity. You were shown in Scripture how God opened different people's minds to understand His Word. Pastor Mark told you again how all of your life is supposed to be about being a servant trying to please God. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will conclude his teaching, What Do We Do When God Changes Our Plans? He will be speaking further about the Apostle Paul, how God changed the direction Paul was trying to go. You'll learn some of the benefits to you that resulted from Paul's obedience to God. You'll learn how God's plans are always better than yours. So you should listen to and follow him. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Live Here Now, Then Live There Forever. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.